Thank you for listening to the official podcast of Everyday Church. We are a body of believers in Oklahoma City with the mission to live out our faith on a daily basis. Let's listen in as we hear a powerful message from God's Word. Good morning, Everyday Church. I'm excited to be with you all this morning. I hope you had a wonderful new year. I know it looked differently for a lot of people, but like we've been talking about this morning, I really think the Lord is going to move this year. You know, often when things go bad, we, we don't think the Lord can use them, but He does. He uses them. And, and I'm so glad that we're uh, in the true Lord's Prayer again this week. We're going to conclude that uh, today. I titled this message, Jesus' Prayer for Himself. And if you have a Bible, open up to John chapter 17. Before I get into the text, I just want to briefly talk about last week a little bit. I wanted you to write down three truths last week, and that was Jesus' prayer is for glory. Jesus' prayer is that believers know about the one who gives eternal life. And Jesus' prayer is that he would share in the glory he had with the Father for all of eternity. And I think a quick summary would help us understand the text today a little bit better. Last week, we looked at that he prayed for his own glory, and that glory came from his life and his death, and as a result, would give him all authority to grant salvation to all the Father had given him. The cross accomplished something man could never do. As a result, he purchased salvation for all those who would ever believe. In this prayer, he wanted them to know Christ personally wanted to have an intimate relationship with him, and as a result, he wanted to return to the Father, the previous glory that he had. It was a powerful word of God. And this week, we see a prayer for his people. He's shifting gears. That's why I titled this message, Jesus' Prayer for His People. You know, there's something powerful when someone prays for you, isn't it? It's different. I've had the pleasure of hearing some wonderful prayers in my life, um, a few that just stick out. One is when my wife and I found out we were having twins, the elders prayed for us. Um, even though one went to be with the Lord, it was a powerful experience. Another prayer was, another prayers were just the time that I spent in Sunday school, hearing great prayers of what God was doing in people's lives and praying for me when I had great needs. And finally, a prayer I'll never forget is when I became licensed as a minister. The church and elders gathered around me and prayed for me. It was truly incredible. But nothing tops the prayer in John 17. Nothing. It's powerful. I love what R.C. Sproul says about this prayer. If we take great comfort in the intercessory prayer of a friend or a pastor, how much more comfort can we experience from the full assurance that Jesus is praying for us? We know that Jesus' prayers never fail. He knows the mind of God perfectly. He knows what to pray for, so we persevere to the end. Moreover, Jesus prays the Father will give us whatever we ask in his name. If this is so, certainly the Father will not fail to give his own beloved Son what he asks for, and he asks for us to persevere. What a great segue into the text this morning. Starting in verse 1, it'll be up here on the screen. It says this, When Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son as the Son may glorify you. 
since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to whom you had given him. And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me. And they have kept your word. Now they know that everything you have given me is from you. For I have given them the words that you gave me, and they have received them and come to know in the truth that I came from you. And they believe that you sent me. I am praying for them. I am not praying for the world, but those whom you have given me, for they are yours. All mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. And I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name which you have given me, that they may one, even as we are one. While I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me. I have guarded them. Not one of them have been lost except for the son of destruction, that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I am coming to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself that they may also be sanctified in truth. I do not ask for these only, but also those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you sent me. The glory that you were given, had given to me, I have given to them, that they may be one as even we are one. I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one, so the world may know that you sent me and love me even as you love me. Father, I desire they also, whom you've given me, may be with me where I am to see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you. These things that have sent me, I made them known your name, and I will continue to make it known, that the love of which you have loved me be in them and I in them. What a beautiful prayer. It's powerful. And if you're taking notes today, I have five things I want you to write down. The first is Jesus gives reason for his prayer. Jesus gives reason for his prayer. Christ's reasoning in this text for this prayer is quite powerful. He states that he has manifested God to the people whom were given to him. God chose a specific people and gave them to Christ. And Christ manifested the Father to them. Meaning that Jesus' perfect life was a representation of the Father. See, everything that Jesus Christ did on earth displayed the Father perfectly. And the character of Christ fully displays God the Father. And as a result of this believing, as a result of this revealing, is the disciples kept the word of God. While they were not perfect, they sought to follow and live by the teachings of Jesus Christ. They knew that this teaching was not of the world. They knew that it was from God. They received it and acknowledged it as ultimate truth. They recognized its heavenly authority 
and knew that Jesus Christ had came not from the world, but from God. Because of all this, Jesus Christ specifically prays for them and not the world. It's interesting. He is praying for all those the Father had given him. It's not a universal prayer. He's praying specifically for believers. I love what one commentator says. He said, Jesus realized that he had been entrusted with the salvation of this people who belong to God and have been handled over to him on behalf of God's saving purpose for them. Since they belong to the Father and Jesus' role as their Savior comes from the Father, he is especially zealous to pray on their behalf. See, Jesus takes great care of those whom the Father has given him. Not only because he's been given to them, but because they are glorified in him. How are they glorified in Christ? Well, one scholar says it like this. Jesus is glorified in his work of grace for our salvation. He is glorified by his people when they live holy lives and perform good works. He is glorified by our fit. He is glorified in believers' work to extend the kingdom. So do you know after we're saved, we're supposed to do all things for the glory of God? And Jesus Christ is glorified in those things. And Jesus Christ is praying for those things to come to true. The prayer had purpose and a multitude of reasons. And that purpose is clearly seen in the rest of this chapter. For those taking notes, the second truth this morning is Jesus prays for protection. Jesus prays for protection. So up until that point, Jesus had been with the disciples physically. He ate with them, he fellowshiped with them, and he taught them every single day. But he would soon be returning to the Father. Life was about to be a lot different for the disciples. And instead of leaving them without hope, he prays for their protection. The text mentions multiple times that the Father had given Christ these disciples, and Jesus Christ wasn't about to lose any of them. It's beautiful. One of those who was a child of God was Judas, though. Judas betrayed Christ, and it was necessary that he actually betrayed Christ in order to fulfill the scripture. See, Judas' heart was wicked and evil, and he acted upon his desires. God didn't force Judas to do the evil, but it was his destiny that he did so. If you go back a few chapters, you see Jesus prophesying this very event to happen. In John 13, 18, it says, I'm speaking of, I'm not speaking to all of you. I know whom I have chosen, but scripture will be fulfilled. He who ate bread has lifted his heel against me. The same language is found in Psalm 41, 9, which says, even my close friend in whom I trusted, who ate my bread, has lifted up his heel against me. The one who walked daily with Christ, who walked closely with him, who saw all his amazing teachings, would betray Christ. Satan might have thought it was a great thing that Jesus was betrayed by Judas, but guess what? It didn't derail any of God's plans. He's still going to go back to the Father. But he spoke these words so they may have joy. How can you have joy when Jesus was about to leave? Well, Joy is produced by Christ. Joy is a fruit of the Spirit. But it's interesting that they would have joy even though Christ was about to leave them. 
One man said it like this. He calls it joy because the disciples had to receive it from him. More briefly, because he is the author, cause, and pledge. This quote is so good. And why is that? Well, because Christ is the author of our faith. He's the cause of our faith because of his work here on earth. Because of his death, his resurrection. And his pledge to us is powerful. Don't miss this. That he will protect us not only in this life, but to the life to come. See, Christian joy is a result of our protection. We have joy because of everything Christ has done. We can have joy because he will protect us. Another part of this protection is he is giving us his word. The word causes believers to be different. And the world will hate them for it. The word distinguishes believers from the world. Don't be surprised, believer, when people hate the word of God and hate you for standing up for it. Which makes sense that it was from Christ because Christ is not from the world, right? It makes sense that it was different. When you read the words of scripture, you actually see that it's different than what is taught in the world, right? It's so different. And Christ wants them to be different. He wants them to be different because he is not taking them out of the world. He is only asking that the evil one will not get them. The cross was the ultimate blow to Satan, but that doesn't mean that he isn't causing disruption. But what does it mean? It means that he doesn't control our destiny. Satan doesn't control our destiny. We may be wounded, battered, broken, or even die, but because of the love of Christ for his children, we will never be separated from God. Hear that. We learned that in 2020, that life would change, right? Many people would go to be with the Lord, but nothing, if you're a believer, can separate you from God. And this truth enables us to live differently because we are not of this world, This place is not our home. J.C. Ryle sums up this prayer of protection so well. He says, The special intercession of the Lord Jesus is one grand secret of the believer's safety. He is daily watched and thought for and provided for with unfailing care by one whose eye never slumbers and never sleeps. They never perish because he never ceases to pray for them. And his prayer must prevail. They stand and persevere to the end, not because of their own strength and goodness, but because Jesus intercedes for him. No matter what happens in this life, no matter what obstacles that we may face, Jesus Christ is praying for our protection. And because he is, we can rest in that hope and that truth. Right? Jesus gives reason for prayers In this sermon, and Jesus prays for protection. A third truth you might write down is Jesus prays for sanctification. Jesus prays for sanctification. I know John was big on this earlier, but the text just mentioned that Jesus Christ was not taking the disciples out of the world. Not only was he praying for protection, he is now praying for sanctification. He is praying that they become more like Christ. 
That's what sanctification is. It's a transformation that happens when you're saved to become more and more like Jesus Christ. The word sanctify means to be set apart. Followers of Christ are to be set apart, to be different, to be distinct. Well, how are they set apart? Well, they're set apart in the truth. A true disciple's life is transformed by that truth. Notice whose truth it is. It's not the world's truth. It's not your friend's truth. It's not other disciples' truth. It's God's truth. The disciples lived in a world that had a million ideas of what the truth was. And the same goes today. But the word of God is true, and this truth sets believers apart. Listen to what the psalmist says in Psalm 19, 7 and 8. He says, the law is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. Paul says it in another way. In 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, all scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. See, these scriptures show us how this impacts our lives. And a part of this sanctification process is to be sent out into the world. That's exactly what the disciples were about to do. They were about to be sent out. And he uses the illustration, as you send me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. So Jesus' mission in this life becomes our mission. Do you know that? Jesus' mission becomes our mission, but it's different. Because we are going to go and tell people about what Jesus Christ had done. We can't save anyone, but we can tell them about the one who saves This is clearly seen in Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20. I'm sure you guys have heard this a million times, but it says this. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven on earth had been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age." Believers can be sent out because of who? Because of Christ. That is our mission, to go and tell the world this good news. That's part of sanctification. He not only wants us to grow inwardly, but he wants us to go and tell the world these things. That's the mission behind everyday church, right? Go into the world. Again, we're reminded in this prayer the work of Christ. You see it time and time again, the prayer, including all the things that Jesus Christ had done. And that gives us reason that we can be set apart. See, Jesus Christ is so much different from us. He's God, he's perfect, and he is the truth. And for our sake, he consecrates himself. One pastor said it like this, Jesus dedicates himself to the task of bringing in God's saving reign as God's priest, his mediator, and prophet, his revealer. But the purpose of this dedication is that followers may dedicate themselves to the same saving reign, the same mission to the world. Our sanctification will lead us to become more like Christ, and it will in turn propel us to live out the mission for Christ, all because of the work of Christ. 
The fourth truth I want you to write down this morning is this. Jesus prays for future believers. Jesus prays for future believers. Jesus' prayer is not just a prayer for the moment. He is praying for believers for all of eternity. It's incredible. In this prayer, he is praying for future believers, specifically that they'll be unified. And we see in this text that the Father and the Son are perfectly unified. And that is shown time and time again. And the unity that believers have is so different, right? It's because we are unified based on what Christ had done. See, Christian unity stands out in the watching world. When believers come together for a specific purpose, it's clearly seen. God intends our unity to testify that, to testify that we belong to God. Doesn't this sound crazy to you? Because the church is so ununified, isn't it? It's like we never do anything together. We fight over so many little, small things day after day. But because we have been given glory in the Holy Spirit, we have the ability to be unified. One man puts it so well. The thought is breathtakingly extravagant. The unity of the disciples as it approaches the perfection that is its goal serves not only to convince many in the world that Christ is indeed the supreme locus of divine revelation as Christians claim, but that Christians himself have been caught up into the love of the Father for the Son, secure and content and fulfilled because he is loved by the Almighty himself. With that very same love he reserves for the Son, it's hard to imagine a more compelling evangelistic appeal." For so many sitting in this room, this practice doesn't seem possible, does it? We have so much disunity in the church. But remember, the reason we can be unified is because Jesus Christ worked and he prayed for us to be unified. And this doesn't mean that we're all going to be the same, right? Even the Father and the Son are distinct persons, but they have the same goal in mind. This year, I hope our church is unified in the mission of God where we can live in a way that's so distinct and different from the world that people are going to be like, why are they that way? They're going to ask the question, why are they different? And we have the answer for that. Because Christ prayed for that unity, we can be unified for the common purpose. A fifth truth is this. Jesus prays for future glory for all believers. Jesus prays for future glory for all believers. Jesus' desire is that all the Father had given to him would be with him in glory one day, that they would be in heaven with him. This prayer from start to finish is a work of God. I hope you've seen that. And this glory we will see in heaven is not based on anything we have done in this life, but based on the merit of Christ. It's everything that he has done. This plan of redemption, this plan of glory, and the love the Father had for Christ was not something that was made up on the spot either. It was made up before the foundation of this world. Before the foundation of the world, the Father's love that he had for the Son would cause us to have salvation. The love that he had for them. And because of that love, we can have eternal life. Not only can we have eternal life, but we have protection we have transformed lives that are made into the image of Christ. And all because 
the love of God had for his children. And it's through Christ that we can truly know God, his life, his character, his attributes mirror God the Father. The world did not truly know God the Father until Christ came. Sure, the prophets had spoken the word of God on countless occasions. God even rescued them time and time again. But all those things were just a glimpse of who God really is. But when Christ came, the Father's glory became magnified. Right? We truly seen who God the Father was. Oh, what love God the Father has for the Son and for his people. And we see that clearly. Believers know this, that Jesus Christ is from God and his mission hasn't stopped. Even though Christ was about to leave his disciples and would be gone physically, he is going to continue to make himself known by the power of the Holy Spirit. You might jot this down if you're taking notes. Romans 5.5 5 says this, And the hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into the hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. For the believer, the Holy Spirit has illuminated every single word in this prayer. Think about it like this, church. I don't want you to miss this. Jesus did not have to go to the, to the cross for glory. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit existed eternally and in glory forever. But because he came to earth, he lived a perfect sinless life, died on the cross and rose again, he gets all the glory the glory that only he deserves. Our salvation is a work of his glory. The Father has given him all those who would ever believe, and the Holy Spirit regenerates those sinful hearts. You see the Trinity in our salvation at work. But get this, God did not need us for his glory, but he wanted us. He wanted us, and that's how, why he went to the cross. To know Jesus Christ prayed such a prayer gives me great comfort because he was praying for me. And if you're a believer, he was praying for you as well. And you see in this text that Jesus gives reason for his prayer, that Jesus prays for protection, that Jesus prays for sanctification, that Jesus prays for future believers, and Jesus prays for future glory for all believers. This prayer is not an empty prayer. I was telling John earlier that, I, that him and I probably could have spent months and months just in this prayer because there's so much there. It doesn't matter where you are t today, unbeliever, new believer, old believer, this prayer demands a response. So what will your response be? For some, it may be that their head and heart would come together. Right? Sometimes we have a great head knowledge of Christ, but our heart isn't there. I pray that you see that this prayer was done for a specific reason, was done for his people, was done to give you hope. Let those reasons take root in your life this morning. Maybe this is a season of struggle and doubt and loss, but I pray that you are comforted by his protection. And trust that despite what is ever going on today, that everything, despite all those things, Christ will always protect you. Get this, it might not be the protection that you want in the moment, though. 
but he will always see you through it. God will always protect his people. Maybe you are in a season of growth or not a season of growth. Start this year off in his word. Read your Bible consistently. And what is that going to help you do? It's going to help you set yourself apart from the world. Saturate your mind and your heart with the word of God daily. The busyness of this life will catch up with you too quickly. Get in the word every single day. We will never be set apart if we're not in his word daily. Pray for future believers. Everyday church, our mission is to reach unbelievers. It's to reach the de-churched. We're hoping that this season becomes one where we truly get to reach a lot of people. But that takes more than me. That takes more than John. It takes all of us as a church. And the first thing you can do is pray. I had a friend once told me after he heard a lesson, you know, I'm just going to pray that God will bring me somebody today to witness to. Not only did God bring him someone to witness to, he brought him three people. And by the grace of God, one of those was saved. Pray for the lost. God has many still left that will enter the kingdom of God. Pray for those people. And also pray for the church. Pray that they would have unity. Not a unity based on anything other than Christ, though. Pray that we would be known as people who are distinct from the world. Pray that we can show the love of God to others by not only our actions, but what we believe. Pray for future glory. Pray heavenly prayers. Look to where Christ is. Have eternal perspective. All these things are something we have to do. And this prayer today is only offered to believers. When my buddy and I talked about John a few weeks ago, him and I talked about John 20, 30, and 31. I mentioned this last week, but it says this. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these things are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. So today, if you don't believe that Jesus Christ actually said this prayer, if you don't believe that he came to earth and lived a sinful, sinless life, then you can't be saved. But if by the grace of God he told you that he came to earth, he lived that sinless, perfect life, you can do something today. You can repent of your sins, which simply means to turn from your sins and put your faith in Christ alone for salvation. No matter where you're at today, have some sort of response. What will that response be? Let us pray. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for this wonderful prayer. God, it's, it's almost overwhelming every single word that was prayed in this prayer. God, it is hope that you use it for your glory today. God, stir believers' hearts to be conformed to your word. Let us be a people that are mission-minded and will go and take this beautiful prayer into the world.
Jesus' name I pray. Amen. This is Pastor John. Thank you so much for listening to the Everyday Church Podcast. For more information on us or if you happen to make a spiritual decision during this message, please let us know and go to our website, www.everyday.church. There's an email link that you can click on and we would love to hear from you. If there's anything going on that has happened during this message, if the Lord has spoken to you or you made a decision to follow Jesus Christ. Also, if there's a prayer request or concern, then you can email us and we would love to take the time to pray for you and respond in any way that we can. Again, thank you so much for listening. God bless.